The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith. Hello, I am your host, Leah Brenda Smith. And you are listening to Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Voice America Variety and Project Freedom Radio Network. If you are looking for the archives that are available 24-7, you can find them on my host page at Voice America Variety or on my website, uh, leahbrendasmith.com. And you can find me on Facebook at Come Back to Your Senses Radio or Leah Brenda Smith. Now today our show is on self-discipline. And just before we begin, I just want to send send whatever it is that you have out to the folks that are dealing with whatever the circumstances are they're dealing with as a result of the flooding that's been so devastating on the east coast of mostly the states and some in Canada. So our thoughts and prayers and good wishes for return stability go out to everybody. I want to start today's show on self-discipline with a, uh, a quote by Tulkur Jurgen Rinpoche. And he says, The only difference between Buddhas and ordinary beings is discipline. And, you know, my goodness, for myself, self-discipline has been a huge challenge in my life. And I certainly know that I'm not alone in this, as self-discipline and or a lack thereof is really, uh, it's a common human problem. You know, personally, I grew up in an inconsistent, unpredictable environment. It was an environment of extremes. So I didn't really have the good modeling or mentoring that often helps children to establish good habits of self-discipline from a young age. So that wasn't something that was innate or inherent in my environment. But like everyone else, you know, I muddled through and I found, uh, you know, found the wherewithal and the determination to focus on goals that were important to me that I could see to fruition. And this in turn helped me to develop in the area of self-discipline. I came to realize that self-discipline is totally action-oriented and driven by motivation. 
Well, clearly it's not enough to simply want something or just to desire something. Making a commitment is what activates the mechanism of self-discipline. And then that helps you put everything into action and help you, helps you to really to move in the direction of your goals. So I learned that the art and the science, if you like, of being able to manifest my goals was possible for me once I adopted a single-mindedness of focus towards whatever it is or whatever it was that I wanted to achieve. And then taking action towards achieving the goals becomes second nature, like breathing. You know, in Matthew 6.22, it says, If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be filled with light. If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be filled with light. And that really speaks to the single eye, the single-mindedness of focus. And that we would then be filled with light, filled with the light that's needed to move forward with whatever that single-mindedness of focus is about. And many years ago, I watched a Dr. Oz show on um, Habits to a Healthier You, I think was the, the name of the show. And it was really comprised of seven habits, seven habits to follow through with throughout the day. I'll just list them to you. Stretch in the morning. Eat breakfast. Be on time. Eat mindfully. Move in the evening. Stay connected to loved ones. Have a regular bedtime. Seven easy, easy, you would think, easy habits for healthy living. For a healthier you, yet... Imagine my great surprise when I realized that I wasn't consistent with any one of the seven habits. This was a huge wake-up call. It was a huge wake-up call for me. So from this information, I really started to piece it together and to learn about the correlation between having regular times for waking, eating, and sleeping, and realizing that these are keys to a healthy body, to a healthy mind, to a healthy spirit. You know, clearly I was in the really slow learner's classroom on this one. However, I'm happy to report that after a period of remedial lessons, I have caught up and feel more in balance with these things and have moved towards a healthier me from healthier habits and from self-discipline. You know, throughout my adult life, I've been successful at letting go of many habits that for me were unhealthy, like caffeine, cigarettes, pot, alcohol, and more recently, shedding the excess weight that I've carried for years. And one by one, over about a seven-year period, through the support of others and applying principles of self-discipline, I've come into balance in all these areas of my life. And I 
am acutely aware of the importance of being vigilant and vigilant with these things to continue to maintain the balance, to continue to exercise self-discipline to keep these things in balance. And I'm also acutely aware of, you know, many people in the world around me also on this same kind of path, trying to be vigilant and diligent and attain these same goals. You know, for the most part, aside from obvious, the obvious health benefits to finding my way with all of these areas of my life, I realized that I would never, never be able to truly fulfill my life's purpose with these huge imbalances in my lifestyle and in the ways that I was treating myself. You know, it's not uncommon for people that grew up in chaotic situations to participate in habits that are self-abusive, which clearly, clearly my habits were. But as I became more consistent with daily practices of letting go of worry, mindfulness, forgiveness, meditation, prayer, and different types of energy medicine, these practices and the discipline with these practices changed my energy. And as my energy changed, my interests changed. And being healthy and wholesome in my mind and in my body and in my spirit, these things became increasingly important to me, which is truly what has given me the impetus to make these important lifestyle changes and to cultivate a healthy relationship with self-discipline. And this reminds me of a quote I heard once from Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, who later became known as Osho. And he said, Habit is easy. Consciousness is difficult. But only in the beginning. And I understood this saying that consciousness is difficult only in the beginning. Only in the beginning until you create the habit of being conscious. And certainly that is the, the nature and the, the makeup, or if you like, the matrix of any type of uh, spiritual practice or relaxation technique is really that move towards becoming more conscious. Now, self-discipline can be defined as the ability to motivate oneself in spite of whatever type of negative emotional state you may be feeling influenced by. And some of the qualities of self-discipline are willpower, hard work, and persistence. And self-discipline is the product of using your willpower persistently. Willpower is the strength and ability to carry out a certain task, and then self-discipline is the ability to use this routinely so that it becomes automatic like a natural reflex. It would be like the relationship between willpower. Willpower is to the muscle and self-discipline is to the structured thought that controls the muscle. 
you know, different uh, schools of thought say different things. Some say it takes 21 days or three weeks to establish a new habit or a new way of being, and others say it takes 30 days. And you may find yourself, it takes the amount of time that it takes, as an example, if you're starting a meditation practice in the morning, and after a time, you get in the habit, the conscious habit of getting up and sitting to do your meditation every morning, over a short period of time, really, when you think of it, you'll find that you'll be able to do it just automatically, like a reflex. And many, in many cultures, people do agree that self-discipline is the ultimate path towards success. Now, I really like and support Peter Clemens. He has these ideas, um, in this idea that discipline is freedom, I really came to learn to be true. And I was initially someone that didn't agree with that, or more to say, not so much that I didn't agree with it, I didn't understand it. And you may agree with this statement or not. But discipline is freedom. And many people think that the opposite is true, as I once did. And Stephen Convoy once wrote that the undisciplined are slaves to moods, appetites, and passions. And in the longer term, the undisciplined lack the freedom that comes with possessing particular skills and abilities that enable a person to excel in things like, as an example, playing a musical instrument or speaking a foreign language, these types of things which certainly require discipline. Self-discipline involves acting according to what you think of how you feel, excuse me, self-discipline is, it involves acting according to what you think instead of how you feel in the morn, in the moment. You know, often it involves sacrificing that pleasure and the thrill of the moment for what matters most in life. I guess that's where that saying comes from the uh, short-term pain for long-term gain is that same kind of an idea where you're foregoing the momentary pleasure for a long-term type of satisfaction that's much deeper and more sustaining. So self-discipline can drive you to work on an idea or a project after you know that initial rush of enthusiasm has melted into the background or to go to the gym when all you want to do is really lie on the couch and watch television, especially on a rainy day, or to wake early to meditate, or to say no when you're tempted to break your healthy eating habits. So if you struggle with self-discipline, which I think everyone does at one point or another, the good news is that you can develop it. It can be developed. And Peter Clemens offers us some healthy traits to cultivate that would help us to get self-discipline really working and on the right track in our lives. And he suggests that the first aspect of this really is self-knowledge. Discipline means behaving according to what you have decided is best, regardless of how you feel in the moment. So the first trait of self-discipline would be self-knowledge. 
you need to decide what behavior best reflects your goals and values. Now, certainly this process requires introspection and some self-analysis, and it's most affected it's most effective when it's tied to a written expression, something you write out out of yourself that you can look at. So if you want to take time to write some of your goals and dreams and ambitions, some people find it useful to write out a personal mission statement. And this can give you a greater understanding of who you are and what you're about and what you value or what you value rather than just having these thoughts mulling around inside your your mind or only really coming up when you feel um, challenged by one of your values, you can actually list them out in front of you and it uh, can help you. Then self-knowledge can go a long way. And then the second tip is conscious awareness. The self-discipline depends on your conscious awareness of both what you are doing and what you are not doing. Mindfulness is really your best ally, as being mindful will ensure that you become aware of your thoughts and your feelings, and that your actions are counteractive. You'll notice that if your actions are going against the goal or the disciplined action that you're trying to pursue. So as you begin to build self-discipline, you may catch yourself acting in an undisciplined way. You know, as an example, some people biting their nails or avoiding the gym or unconsciously eating a piece of cake or even having a drink instead of clearing up a misunderstanding. Developing self-discipline takes time and the key here is to be aware of your undisciplined behavior because then you can put a correction in. So with time, this awareness will become easier and easier. So rather than catching yourself in the act of being undisciplined, you'll have the awareness before the act. And this gives you an opportunity to make a decision that's in better alignment with your goals and with your values. And the next really is the commitment to self-discipline. So it's not simply enough just to write out the goals and values. You need to make an internal commitment to them. Otherwise, when your alarm clock goes off at 6 o'clock in the morning, you'll see no harm in hitting the snooze button for just another five minutes. Or when the initial rush of the enthusiasm has faded from your project, then you'll be struggling to see it through to completion. So if you struggle with commitment, start by making a conscious decision to follow through on what you say you're going to do, both when you said you would do it and how you said you would do it. And then you can put whatever system in place for yourself so you can track, track these actions. And as the saying goes, what gets measured gets improved. So this process this process will also help you to be more earnest and more thoughtful about the commitments that you make. So you'll be more likely to make realistic commitments that are really true for you rather than just making a rash decision kind of commitment in a moment of saying that you're going to do something. And then courage. So we all know 
we all know that uh, discipline is sometimes difficult. You know, moods and appetites and passions can be powerful forces that may go against what it is that we're trying to pursue. So, because of that, self-discipline is highly dependent on our courage. Don't pretend that something's easy for you when you know it's difficult for you or even painful. Find the courage to face the challenge. And as you begin to accumulate small, small victories, then your self-confidence will grow and the courage that reinforces self-discipline will come more naturally to you. And then five is about your internal coaching. You know, sometimes self-talk is harmful, but it can also be extremely beneficial if you have control over it. So when you find yourself being tested or tempted, talk to yourself, encourage yourself, and reassure yourself. Be your own best coach. Your own internal coach is there with you all the time. You know, it is, it is the self-talk that has the ability to remind you of your goals and to help you call up your courage and reinforce, reinforce your commitment and keep your consciousness focused on the task at hand and moving in the direction that you want to go. You know, someone said once that the price of discipline is always less than the pain of regret. So I encourage you to etch this quote in your memory and recall it whenever you find yourself being tested. You never know. You know, something like that could help you change your life in the moment when you remember, ah, discipline is the way. This is the direction I'm moving in. You know, sometimes when people hear the word discipline, they think of samurais or warriors or Buddhist monks. Or you might think about professional football players or members of the armed forces Or you might feel like it's something that's really reserved only for a few dedicated and extremely tough individuals. But clearly, self-discipline is available for everyone. And it's something that we all need in order to attain our goals and our dreams. Now, obviously, there's always a place for influential contacts and money and natural ability. But in the end, even with all those things, it all comes down to discipline. And discipline is a really important component of the success equation that nobody really can do without. Every great person has self-discipline. People that achieve great things do that with self-discipline. And we may all have been wondering, you know, what's up with this lack of self-discipline? Why? Why do we struggle with this? And some would say that the bottom line is that we're spoiled. You know, we're spoiled. In general, as a culture, well, we're spoiled. We have our televisions to occupy us and the Internet and social sites to keep us connected. We have drugs and alcohol to numb out our depression and money to spend on short-term entertainment we really, we've been spoiled by this drive for instant gratification that seems to just keep winding up tighter and tighter in our society, in our, if you like, North American culture. We've uh, grown accustomed to getting things quickly. 
And then when our dreams and our goals and our ambitions don't come as quickly as all these other instant things that happen, we can tend to lose our motivation. We lose our self-discipline. Some might say, why would we want to work on something that is so laborious and difficult when we could be watching TV or playing a computer game, talking on the telephone or hanging out with our friends or watching a movie or... But the truth is, is that we need self-discipline to be successful and happy. And although instant gratification is appealing and even alluring, and we all like instant gratification, however really, is it really that satisfying as we claim it to be? Does it really quench your desire and leave you in a state of deep satisfaction? I would suggest not so much. Now, for the most part, instant gratification just leaves you wanting more and wanting more and wanting more jolts per minute. You know, there's that saying from N.A. and A.A., it goes, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. Clearly, life is different when we have more self-discipline. We're able to work towards and achieve things that really mean something. We're all happier choosing hard work over instant gratification in the long run because this is really the key to balance and to success and to healthy life. You know, self-discipline requires using, using your internal willpower to choose something better for yourself. It's about cognitively deciding that you're going to work towards a goal and achieve the goal without being sidetracked by instant distractions. Self-discipline is about developing a mentality where you can focus your mind on something and achieve it. And you know the reason is so simple. Everything that is worthwhile achieving takes discipline to achieve. You know, if we think about the most common goals that people have... You know, people want better health and fitness. They want satisfying and lucrative work life, self-awareness, education and degrees or other qualifications. Common people want weight loss and dieting. They want healthy relationships. They want to feel like they're making a contribution in the world and to others. And more and more commonly, people want relaxation and meditation and stillness. And all of these pursuits take self-discipline. It's impossible to lose weight without self-discipline. It's impossible to get a good education without self-discipline. Anything that you can think of that you would like to achieve or work towards will take concerted effort, self-discipline to achieve. And that is a great Motivation, that's the real reason to develop your self-discipline skills. Now, I'm sure to a greater and lesser degrees, we all have a sense of the reasoning behind our lack of self-discipline and why we need self-discipline. But let's talk a little bit about how we can go about developing it. Remember, self-discipline is not something that you can whip out of thin air. It takes time and courage and focus and development. However, clearly... The results and the benefits are well, 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 well worth the effort. Well worth the effort. 
You know, the folks from the Daily Mind, the Daily Mind, Eastern Wisdom to Make the Daily Grind More Meaningful, they offer some guidelines, some guidelines on how to develop self-discipline. And firstly, they talk about to find short-term and long-term motivation and to work on that. You know, motivation is essential if you want to develop self-discipline. If you look at anybody that's been training for years for the Olympics and you see you see that good motivation is something that they cannot do without. Athletes would just fizzle out and quit long before the Olympics if they didn't have excellent motivation. So that same thing is true of anyone who has been working towards something for an extended amount of time. Short-term motivation something like, like earning enough money to pay your bills or doing something to help someone that has an immediate need. These motivations are easier to come by, but they are shorter-lived. So if you want to develop self-discipline for a long-term goal, then you need that motivation as well. You know, in the Buddhist tradition, the monks and yogis are able to be so disciplined because they have something that's called bodhicitta. And this is roughly translated as the mind of enlightenment. And it's the motivation to use every thought, every word, and every action to benefit other beings. It was this motivation that allowed so many of the Tibetan monks to endure the worst torture under the Chinese genocide in the 50s and the 60s without fighting back. And it is this motivation that allows them to stay in solitary retreat for 20 years. A motivation such as this one can get you through anything. So once you've found motivation, then it's important to nurture and to develop it. If you decide that you want to work for the benefit of others, don't just think about it once in a while and then forget it. Remind yourself of it all the time. So when things get tough, try to remember why you're doing it. If you do this, then you can strengthen your mind and your resolve and stay focused on your goal. So the second tip is to find some inspirational figures to imitate. Now, sometimes we lose control and events and circumstances in our life throw us off balance. We lose that leading edge towards success. And sometimes it just all seems too hard, especially if your goals are long-standing goals. But during times like this, some people find it easier if they have a mentor to look up to. For some people, their mentor may be a deceased loved one, and in times of great challenge, they may ask, hmm, what would dad do in this situation? And for other people, it might be a teacher, a sports celebrity, a scientist, a revered political leader, a Nobel Prize winner. It could be anyone. And then another tip would be to make reverse escalation work for you. So remember, instant gratification doesn't satisfy you. Instead, it can cause you to be more and more insatiable, forcing you to look for bigger and better things or more jolts per minute. Now, this is called escalation. And it's a common problem amongst 
addicts of coffee, alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, food, shopping, gambling, and believe it or not, even chaos. Yet escalation can work for you instead of against you if you know how to use it in your favor. And this would be called reverse escalation. And it's a lot like how meditation works. So the principle's simple. If instant gratification makes you more likely to need some bigger form of gratification, then you can apply that theory in reverse. Next time you're working on your primary goal and you feel like giving up and going to watch television, try holding up for five minutes longer. So where you would have normally just got up and headed for the couch or the refrigerator or a cigarette, or a drink. If you could just wait, just wait five minutes. Stay with the task for five more minutes. And then the next time, go for six minutes. Try this every time a distraction comes up from you, and you can find yourself having prolonged periods of time really dropping into your task and keeping yourself focused. So what you will be doing essentially is escalating your good qualities instead of your bad ones. You're escalating your self-discipline. And soon five minutes more won't seem that hard and you'll be well on your way to developing a kind of self-discipline that is long-term and long-lasting. It becomes a quality that just um, meshes and melds inside of the self. Self-discipline, self-respect self-care, self-honor. And it reminds me of the Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs and the top hierarchy of need is self-actualization. So these things are all tied together. Self-discipline, self-awareness, self-actualization. And the next suggestion is to create a routine and stick to it. Routine, routine. Routine's a powerful word. And one of the best ways you can develop self-discipline that lasts is by giving yourself a routine. So here's a little story from a meditation practitioner who was having trouble getting the basic preliminary stages intact for meditation. And finally, the student went to his Tibetan meditation teacher in sheer despair and asked him for some advice. So his teacher thought for a moment, and then he replied, Routine. Uh, what's that? He clarified with the master, thinking he was about to be told the esoteric secret to meditation. And his teacher repeated, Routine. You know, morning and night, the teacher said in broken English. Oh, right. Gotcha. Routine. That's right. Routine. That's the esoterics. That's the esoteric secret behind meditation. It is the secret to just about everything. If you can get yourself into a routine that facilitates and encourages your self-discipline, then you'll be well on your way to victory. 
So create a routine around whatever the goal is for yourself. So it really is a simple fact that has worked for people all the time. Athletes have routine training times. Yogis and monks have a routine for their daily spiritual practice. Find a routine that works for you and then stick to it. You know, you may need to adjust it in the beginning as you're trying to develop the routines that suit you and ones that you can follow. But find the one that works for you and then stick to it until your self-discipline is strong enough that if sometimes something comes up or once in a while, it will be okay. You can be flexible with your routine without losing track. And then another tip would be don't overdo it. It's one of the big mistakes that many people make is trying to do too much too soon. It's very important to not overdo it at any stage of moving towards your goal in any area of your life. You know, here's an example of um, someone's final year in high school. And the school had midterm exams in the third term because they thought it prepared the students better for the finals. But the problem for some of the students is that they burn out after the midterms. Some of them become so exhausted after the mid-year exams that they gave up. They do too much, too soon, and then there's no way of sustaining it until the end of the finals. So there's really, there's a good lesson here for everyone who tries to do too much too soon. You can run the risk of burning out. It's a much more intelligent idea to go slow and steady. Isn't that the, that's the phrase, slow and steady wins the race. So when it comes to long-term self-discipline, slow and steady wins the race. And it is the same with long-distance runner. If they come out of the starting blocks too fast, they'll not have the energy to sustain them to the end of the race. So it's imperative to pace yourself and set smaller achievable goals. Self-discipline is a marathon, not a sprint race. Self-discipline's a marathon, not a sprinter's race. And then another tip is to use rewards, and for some, maybe punishments. You know, there are two real schools of thought on this matter. Studies show that some people are so used to being told that they are worthy, good, and capable of anything, that they work harder when they are given positive reinforcement. But on the other hand, there are some people who work harder when you point out what they are not accomplishing instead of what they are accomplishing. So are you the type of person who rewards, who responds to rewards or responds to critiquing? Think about which approach works for you and then put a system in place to help you develop the behavior that you want. You know, self-discipline can happen easily when the right motivation is in place to match your personal preferences. And clearly, it's a very rewarding activity, one that helps you develop and achieve your goals. Now, you can use tips and guides to get you going in the right direction, apply what works for you, and then develop your own strategies that you know are a recipe for success for you. Routines and rewards are all simple and effective ways to help you develop self-discipline that can last a lifetime. Really, that's what we're wanting, that changing the core inside, developing those good habits from the inside.
Can you imagine what you could accomplish if you could simply let yourself follow through on your best intentions no matter what? Picture yourself saying to your body, you're out of shape. Get on, get on an exercise routine and get into shape. Without self-discipline, that intention, it will never manifest. But with self-discipline, it's easy to achieve. The peak of all self-discipline, so when you reach the point, when you make that conscious decision to create a new way for yourself, then it's virtually a guarantee that you'll follow through on it. You know, anyone that's ever tried to quit smoking or to quit drinking or lose weight or balance any other type of behavior or addiction will agree that trying is not what makes you successful. The power of self-discipline is generated or turned on or activated when you actually make a clear, concise, conscious decision on your own behalf to make the change, to let go of the past, and to begin a new way of life. Self-discipline is one of the many personal development tools that are available to you. And of course, it's not the cure-all or end-all, but nevertheless, the problems which self-discipline can solve are important. And while there are other ways to solve problems, self-discipline can work for you. Because with self-discipline, you are in there working on yourself and working for yourself, something inside yourself, working on your own behalf. And self-discipline can empower you to overcome any addiction or to lose any amount of weight. It can dissolve procrastination, disorder, and ignorance. And within the domains of problems it can solve, self-discipline is simply not matched. Additionally, it can become a very powerful teammate when you combine it with other tools like passion and goal-setting and planning. Uh, Don't compare yourself with other people because it won't help you. You'll only find that, you'll only find what you expect to find. If you think you're weak, then everyone else will seem stronger. If you think you're strong, then everyone else will seem weaker. So really, there's no point to taking that type of approach. Just simply look at where you are now and aim to get better as you go forward. You know, it's a mistake to try to push yourself too hard when trying to build self-discipline if you try to transform your entire life overnight by setting dozens of new goals for yourself and expecting yourself to follow through consistently starting the very next day. Clearly, you're, clearly, clearly, this is not a recipe for success. That would be like a person going to the gym for the first time ever and loading up 300 pounds on the bench press. If you can only lift 10 pounds, you can only lift 10 pounds. And it's important to start where you are. Similarly, if you're very undisciplined right now, you can still use what little discipline you have to build more. The more disciplined you become, the easier life gets. And challenges that once were impossible for you will eventually seem like child's play. So as you get stronger, the same weights will seem lighter and lighter. So by just raising your expectations just a little bit every week, then you can stay within your capabilities and grow stronger over time. But when you're doing weight training, the actual work you do doesn't really mean anything because there's no intrinsic benefit in just lifting a weight up and down. 
the benefit comes from the muscle growth. However, when you're building self-discipline, you also get the benefit of the work you've done along the way. So that's even better. It's great when your training produces something of value and makes you stronger. And Stephen Pavlina, he suggests he's got a a system of five pillars of self-discipline. And he says the first one is acceptance, which means that you perceive reality accurately and consciously acknowledge where you are. Openly accept where you are right now, whether you feel good about it or not. Surrender yourself to what you have to work with. Maybe you think it isn't fair, but that doesn't have anything to do with it. And you won't get any stronger until you accept where you are right now. So begin at the beginning. And then the second, he says, is willpower. It's your ability to set a course of action and then stay engaged. He suggests that the application of willpower includes choose your objective, create a plan of attack, and then execute the plan. Not using willpower to attack your biggest problems directly Use the willpower to attack the environmental and social obstacles that perpetuate the problem. You need a foundation first, and then to reinforce your position. So a habit puts action on autopilot, such that very little willpower is required for ongoing progress, allowing yourself to practically coast, coast towards your goal. And Vince Lombardi says the difference between a successful person and others is not a lack of strength or a lack of knowledge, but rather a lack of will. So another tip is hard work. And this can be defined as something that challenges you. And one nice thing about hard work is that it's universal, right? It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Hard work can be used to achieve long-term results regardless of the specifics, regardless of the content. Now, being healthy is hard work. Finding and maintaining a successful relationship is hard work. Raising kids is hard work. Getting organized is hard work. Setting goals and making plans to achieve them and staying on track is hard work. Even being happy can be hard work because true happiness comes from high self-esteem. Not that fake kind that comes from denial and escapism. And Oprah Winfrey says that the big secret in life is that there is no big secret. Whatever your goal, you can get there if you're willing to work. And then personal productivity. Disciplining yourself to be diligent allows you to squeeze more value out of your time. Time is a constant, but your personal productivity is not necessarily. Some people use the hours of their day much more efficiently than others do. So personal productivity allows you to create enough space in your life to do all the things that you feel that you should be doing. And what you want to do, like eat healthy and exercise, work hard, deepen your relationships, have a wonderful social life, make a difference... And without a high level of personal productivity, then you'll likely have to give up something that's important to you. You have to, you'll, you'll have conflicts between your health and your work and your family and your friends. And industries that can give you the ability to enjoy all of these things so you don't have to choose work over your family or vice versa.
You can have it all. You can have it all. And then the other tip is really persistence. And this is really the ability to maintain action regardless of your feelings. You can press on even when you're feeling like quitting. So persistence will ultimately provide its own motivation. If you simply keep taking action, you'll eventually get results. And results can be very motivating. For example, you may become a lot more enthusiastic about dieting and exercising once you've lost the first 10 pounds and feel that your clothes fit better. But if you're growing as a human being, then you're going to be a different person each year than you were the previous year. And if you're consciously pursuing personal development, then the changes will often be dramatic. Sometimes they'll be dramatic and rapid. So you can't guarantee that the goals you set today will be the ones that you'll want to achieve a year from now. Sometimes a goal you set works to inspire you and get you going in a good direction. But after a little bit more time, you find that the initial goal was the impetus to get you moving. And once you're in the flow, then new goals and new plans may come to you that you can clearly see are taking you in a direction that's totally inspiring and right up your alley. So, Calvin Coolidge says that nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing's more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded, genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world's full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. And the slogan, press on, has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. Imagine that. So here I just wanted to share with you a couple of things of uh, Eastern versus Western approaches to success. You know, we can take either an Eastern or Western approach towards progress and work. We can choose to focus our goals in a way that's predominant in the American and European traditions, or in another way that's predominant in the Asian and Middle Eastern traditions. The Western way is rewards-oriented, because in the Western world, they're more likely to find people starting businesses and careers for money and for prestige and for material gain. The Eastern way is process-oriented, because you're more likely to find craftsmen and communal practices meant for long-term health, spiritual grounding, and mastery of a skill for its own sake, like a martial art. The Eastern orientation is far more conducive for long-term self-discipline, whereas the Western orientation and value system seems to stress more frustration and burnt out and a lack of long-term focus and well-being, which I know many people that are working nine-to-five in high-powered jobs They may be very successful in terms of the Western approach to things, but they're also feeling frustrated or or burnt out. So when you're focused only on the rewards you want, then you'll lack the patience to truly stick things out. And even if you do, remember there's a lot of people who achieve success and still feel empty inside. It's common to operate under the illusion that because we're working, we're supposed to see constant, consistent results with the thought 
that time and skill equals an automatic and consistent incline plane of achievement. However, the reality of life looks more like initially seeing some results, then experiencing some stagnation, even though we're still working hard. And then we might even digress a little bit in order to finally reach a little more growth and success once more. And then the cycle continues again. And the main point of this is that success, progress, and even life itself is mostly a series of plateaus with slight rises and declines. Slight rises and declines sporadically sporadically in between, and not just one constant upswing. It's not a constant incline plane. So if you plan on taking long-term action towards your goals, then it'll be helpful for you to let go of the illusion that success is always that steady upstream flow, because it just doesn't happen that way. So we've shared a lot of things today about discipline, and some of the goals, some of the tips, some of the things that are helpful for people to help them achieve their goals. Acceptance, willpower, hard work, personal productivity, and persistence. We talked a little bit about the differences in the East and the West. We also shared the ideas of short-term goals and long-term goals for motivation finding inspirational figures to imitate, using reverse escalation to work on you, to help you achieve what it is you're looking for, creating a routine and sticking to it. And be mindful, don't overdo it. And see, do you work better when you are being congratulated or when you're being critiqued? There's a lot of different things to consider, but seriously, The bottom line is that self-discipline is about you. It's about what you gather in the inner for yourself to help you be mindful to focus on the goals that are important to you. And that everyone can be successful with self-discipline, even though initially we might think some people are better at it than others. I was a good example of that. I wasn't better at it than others. But it's something that I learned about sometimes through trial and error, sometimes through being in the remedial class, and by great mentors around in the world. Everywhere you look, everywhere you go, there's good examples of people that are very successful with self-discipline for whatever those goals are. That success doesn't always mean a good-paying job or making a lot of money or having things. It can be those internal things, that sense of connectedness and peace and having a loving vibration that you share with the world. So I just want to um, uh, remind you again of the quote we started out with at the beginning of the show that says, the only difference between Buddha, between Buddhas and ordinary beings is discipline. And we are all, all of us, ordinary beings that are capable of cultivating self-discipline. I really appreciate you tuning in to the show today. I am your ever-grateful host, 
Leah Brenda Smith. Thanks for listening to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. And until next time, I welcome you and encourage you to relax and enjoy your life. We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week. Oh,